0: all right james what would you think of the dude episode 50 that was dude, episode yeah. 50.
1: damn we're getting through these eh? that was a big one yeah yeah that was awesome man james Dooley, smart dude the the, dude, the rank and rent stuff is actually pretty interesting probably something that a lot of niche type people could potentially pivot into depending mm-hmm. on i guess what you do there just could be a little easier to rank for maybe a little more stable who knows but the fact that he owns racehorses as well <laughs> i mean if you say you own resources, you're making a shit ton of money. But um, what's kind of interesting as well is the manual penalties that he got for author transparency. I've never heard of that before. Have you heard of that?
0: No, I haven't. But um, when he mentioned finance, I think that uh makes a lot of sense to me because yeah. there's some
1: liability issues. Because, if,
0: dude, if you recommend a C- CPA who's not a CPA, for example. you're
1: Yeah. You, or even medical, probably. I'm sure runs into that, too.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. So. Yeah, it was a uh, great insights. Um, I tried to dig as deep as possible into his businesses. I'm not
1: sure if I like went too hard though. Um, but I think it nah. was fine. It was fine. No, no, you never go too hard on that stuff. That's what we want from, okay. we want from our guests. It's also what we want yeah. from our sponsors. So make sure everyone support our sponsors of the podcast. Make sure you support mm-hmm. Serp Reach. It's our same sponsor we've had for the past few episodes. Essentially, you're going to get 12% off using coupon code INDEXY. And these are niche edits that have rankings for keywords in your niche. So they're super, super highly relevant. There's also a case study down in the description that uh, they did for Jackie that's doing very well for him. So instead of going for fake metrics or easily gameable metrics like domain authority, you're getting... Uh, niche edits on pages that are ranking for the keywords in your niche. So double win for you there. So 10% off, use code INDEXY on that page down in the description.
0: All right, yeah. And dude, I think it was a great episode. Give it a listen, guys. What's good, everyone? It's Dracca Chow. And this is James DeLacy. And you're listening to This Week in Digital Marketing. All right, we have the infamous James Dooley on today. Um, when I first started the podcast, I think we had Matt Diggity on, on the first couple ones, and he's like, we should speak to you, 40 um, right. something episodes later, we, yeah, we finally have you on. So uh, why don't you give the audience yeah. a quick intro of yourself, but I'm sure everyone's heard of you.
2: I'm James Dooley. Um, I'm a digital landlord, do a lot of rank and rent websites. Um, basically, uh, build it, building websites, ranking them, and then renting them out to clients. So that's pretty Great. much.
0: And yeah, and you, how long have you been doing this? Uh, in total, now for about twelve,
2: thirteen years. Um, so there's a lot of failures along the way, in when we first started out. But yeah, it's um, in the last probably six or seven years, it's become very successful, and yeah, it's it's, it's grown nicely from
0: there, really. Nice, nice. I guess uh, um, our conversation will have a lot of overlap with Kazra. I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen the episode. It did really well on YouTube. But um, yeah, we spoke heavily on rank and rent. And mm. I guess my question to you is, how how do you structure like deals with so many partners in different uh, businesses? I don't know if you have the same partners in all your businesses. I guess not. Yeah. And like, how, how do you structure it? Because so I find in, it hard to have operators, you know?
2: In in general, the way it works, um, we, we don't, I mean, when I say just rank and rents, we also make money from, like, display advertising and affiliate as well on, on the websites. But initially, we start out by, we, we'll go on a broad kind of scale of, let's say, plumbing. And then we'll start ranking for plumbing terms. And then what starts to happen is we'll give the leads away for free initially. And then um, you'll start to get in with a few of the plumbers and then the plumbers then will start coming back a- asking you the questions. Once you started giving them away some of the leads for free um, in the first instance in saying, can you generate me leads for X, Y, and Z? Now, some, some of the niches or products or services that they ask for, I would not have found using traditional keyword research of Sam Rosh or webs and stuff like that. So, They come to us saying like the prime example we do quite a lot in disabled wet rooms so and there's a lot Mm -hmm. and and there's lots of other kind of niches within let's say the finance niche as well and stuff like that but initially you would not have probably started as being okay what's disabled wet rooms you start with a plumber the plumber then says that they do shower rooms then it moves on then to saying we want to deal more with industrial or commercial clients and then it moves then into being wet rooms generally are for commercial and then further down the rabbit hole you come then you start to realize that actually the keyword kind of volume is still is still pretty good um but the the kind of what what each inquiry is worth at that stage is worth probably five times more than just the generic plumbing lead and it's actually easier to rank for as well so that that's kind of how we always go we go broad narrow it down narrow it down narrow it down and then Kind of there's this some industries, like you said, I wouldn't. I, it, we're in in total eight hundred different. In, it, I think you know, six hundred and fifty different industries. We've got eight hundred and fifty plus paying clients, but we've we've probably done over two thousand websites. Um, maybe fifty percent of them don't don't work on a rank and rent model, but then at that point, then we'll turn it into display ads, um, whether it's like is OICardrive or Mediavine and stuff like that. And um, that's kind of the model of how it takes. We we'll go, we we'll go broad and then narrow it down.
0: Gotcha. And um, how do you manage so many sites? Do you um, just have like a massive team? Because and like, what's the average revenue per site at the, uh, at your scale? So that's a good
2: question. The um, when you first start, maybe some of the clients might only be paying three, four, five hundred pound a month um, to to do the rental of the site. But then in time, like prime example, we've got and we're actually invested in the company now as well, a road markings company, and they're paying in total eighteen thousand pounds a month. Just, just now we've built, we've ended up building them four or five different websites, but we've capped it now at eight eighteen thousand pounds a month of what they pay, and it's got to a point now where because it's in, lo- in the local industry, there's not that much work we now need to do. We've already built out the topical clusters. We've already done the backlinks and stuff like that. It's just in maintenance mode now. So it might cost us three, four hundred pound a month. And obviously then it's, you you are generating 18,000. But in answer to your question, it could be anything from 200 pound a month initially up to 18,000 pound a month is is the highest. I'd say on average, it's about five, six
1: thousand pound a month, something like that. How do you decide whether you're going to rent out the site versus sell the leads individually? Uh, so when we first start, we, we give the leads away for
2: free. And then from mm. there, then it moves on to then um, a, a pay per lead model. Okay. The issue is with a pay per lead model is that you almost feel like you're employed by the client because they're ringing you up consistently saying, I've just had a lead and it's a fake lead. Or I just had a lead and it was my competitor yeah. I've just had a lead and it was Donald Duck. And they're coming back to you back and forth saying, oh, I couldn't get hold of the client. And what starts to happen is they spend more time moaning about the, let's say 30% of the leads are they can't get hold of them or the fake inquiries. They spend more time worrying about the 30% of bad inquiries than the 70% of good. So kind of we get to a model of being normally after 12, 18 months, of the client paying, let's say they're paying on average six thousand pounds a month, like on a back end or paper lead. We then got we then say to them, No, I'm we'll having meeting, the sales team, we've got like one of the questions earlier was like, How do you manage so many clients? Yes, we do have a large sales team. So um, we've got we own a call center as well in Manchester. Um, so I've got a big sales team that deals that deals with the actual clients um, on a week by week basis. But Normally, if they're paying £6,000 a month on average, we'll try to get them over to a rental in paying £4,000 five, or £5,000 a month so they feel they're getting some good value out of it. Mm. We then know exactly what we're earning on the site to know what we can invest into the site to then start to grow it. Um, and then you've then got a recurring revenue kind of stream that's coming in that you it's predictable that then you could grow from there. And that's kind of how the business
1: model works. So how do, you, how do you decide the incremental increases in rent? So you say you start four or five pounds or four or five grand a month. When does that start to increase? So, so in general, I mean, I don't personally
2: deal with the day-to-day. So I've now got a sales team in place. Um, and the sales team, each of them earn 25% of whatever the revenue is of the site. Mm-hmm. So it's up to them as the sales kind of manager of that and website. Sure to try and get as much money as they can out of the client. But for long-term kind of consistency and making certain that you're having long-term relationships with the clients, the client needs to make certain that they're getting a return on investment as well. So there's a a fine line between keep trying to up the price to being they're happier and we're happy. And once we've probably spent, I mean, on average, it probably costs about 50,000 pounds, to to fully rank the website build the site content the backlinks mm. and and to get it ranking and after that if we can get it to five thousand pound a month we're almost happy because within 12 months we've got our money back and then we've just got a recurring revenue model of five thousand pound a month mm. it's it's a great business model for us so um if if they want to keep it at five thousand even if we are growing it's likely the sales manager i'm i'm happy as well but we it, it's a it's. It, it's a job it, there's different nuances from niche to niche because some some might be willing to pay more for for more inquiries some some businesses don't want any more inquiries believe it or not they they might only want four or five vans on the road and and that's it so sometimes you're at the limit of what your customer wants themselves because they don't want to grow too big um so we kind of make certain we don't like an affiliate you could scale, 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 scale up to half a million a month or whatever numbers that you want, and it doesn't really matter because you're not dealing with buying the product in unless you're doing drop shipping and stuff like that. Um, but in in lead gen, the customers sometimes they do want to cap it. So for that reason, if we get it to, uh, we kind of say four to six thousand pounds a month, and then we're we're, mm. we're more than happy with that kind of price.
0: Yeah, yeah. Man, James, I'm, I'm like running into a bit of an issue right now. So what I notice is we have a bit of slightly different business model is like we rank for, I don't know, for example, best protein powder. And then we ask protein powder companies to pay us a flat fee to be placed at number one, like yeah. uh, similar, eh, same direction. Let's just say that. But what, what starts to happen is we have, we start managing like 30 accounts all paying like 500 to five grand a month. And it's an absolute nightmare. I don't know how you deal with it. I, It's it's like everyone's complaining nonstop all the time. And for some reason, the people paying 500 bucks a month complain the more, the most. Yeah. It's like the worst business model ever for me. I, I can't deal with people. Uh, I guess you're pretty good at delegation then, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to delegation. I mean, I, I don't deal with any client at all. So I'm not client facing. I, I used to be but I'm not at all now. So it's about um, onboarding the right staff, getting the right systems and processes put in place. Um, I try to make certain that each one of the staff only really deal with approximately 15 to 20 clients. Any Hmm. more than that then, and then they're starting getting burnt out and they're not going to give the clients the best deal or they're they're, sometimes a a big client might want a meeting. We rarely Hmm. do the meetings, if I'm being honest. We try and do it on a a Zoom call or something like that. But some, sometimes they want to show us their facility. Um, so at that point, they've got to go out for half a day to see the client, to see the facility, to see what products and services that they do. Um, so, it, yeah, it's, it's difficult. I'm not I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not like there's been a lot of failures along the way. There's been a lot of grievances with regards to staff moaning, with customers moaning. Um, but I suppose that comes with any business.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I guess you um, have asked your team to probably put more time into the clients paying five grand a month versus 500, right? 500, they barely, you probably won't even hop on a Zoom. So so
2: it, once they're at 5,000 pound a month, we I, I I normally end up meeting them when, when they're at 5,000 pound a month. They, and the only reason why I, I don't normally get involved in client facing, apart from if they're at 5,000 pound a month and they've been with us for a while, normally they... They start to become a little bit scared because they've built their business on quicksand because because they're reliant on our leads. And if we wanted to switch them off tomorrow, then they're in a lot of trouble because they've got a lot of staff that are employed and a lot of vans on the road. So normally they want to meet myself in being right. can I trust this person that's generating us the leads? And, and normally the, like the the saying goes to him is that, look, I only want to deal with, I only want to speak to you once a year and that's you inviting me on your Christmas do. And that's kind of what I say to him. And then, and that's it. And normally at Christmas time, I might go out with some of the staff and have a good time with them, catch up with some of their sales team. They might, tell, they might open certain bits, but normally they are my kind of account managers will deal with each, each client the ones that are at £500 pound a month, we're always trying to see, are they ready for growth? Can they pay a thousand, two thousand, three thousand four, uh, five thousand, and stuff like that? So, but a lot of it comes down to, can you find the right, the, the most profitable service and product that they do? Because sometimes trying to extract what their most profitable service is, is painful. Like the mm. business people, but mm. like trying to get that information out of them it, it's hard, but once you've got that information, then it's it's pretty plain, plain sailing after that.
0: Yeah, gotcha. And earlier you mentioned that y- your team would invest like up to $50,000 or pounds uh, yeah, yeah. in ranking a site. I'm guessing it would be something competitive in like a tier one UK city. Um, how do you run projections on that? Because there are chances, there are scenarios where the site just won't rank, right? Like, or so, do you launch multiple sites that target the same keyword? Generally speaking, if you're going after, um, let's
2: let's throw some examples out there. Uh, invoice factoring is quite a big finance kind mm. of industry. Uh, it's about 120 pound pay per click. If you if you go after invoice factoring in Manchester, that might cost you eighty, ninety thousand pounds to rank for it. Um, but some of the others, let's say like accountancy or mortgage brokers in Manchester. That might only cost £30,000, £40,000. But generally speaking, even if we couldn't rank for the primary term, there's so many secondary keywords that you can rank for. You're still going to get inquiries that are probably going to earn you £1,000, 2000 £3,000 a month. And then you're always going to get a site that's going to earn you something or it's going to earn you display ads. So, but but generally speaking, there's times like we um, – one of the worst ones that we ever did, and we must have put nearly £200,000 into it, was dental care. So, like, teeth implants and stuff like that could, for some reason, and I don't know why, in the UK, loads of them are willing to travel to Turkey to have a new set of teeth, but they won't go travelling two hours down the road to uh, – down the train station to somewhere else. So, I, I don't know what what it was, and the dental practices – didn't want to take the inquiries unless it was specifically local within 10 miles of them. So that was one where we just did media vine and just did display ads on it and did like teeth whitening and stuff like that. But, um, and, and that's going to take maybe 10 years to get our return on investment back. But it's one of them. It, you've it. Not every niche you're going to enter is going to work, but because of the profit, profitability of the ones that when it does work, it's just worth keep reloading the gun and going again. That's kind of where we're at now that it's not, we don't overanalyze. We kind of think if we think it's going to work, they've got the financial backing to say, let's just go for it. Now, maybe when I first started out, I probably was a lot more, "Mm, I don't want to enter that market. It might not work. But nowadays it's like knowing that some of the most random niches make the most money. Sometimes I'm like, who am I to say that that's not going to work? And then some of the most random ones seem to do the best.
0: I see. Yeah. So, I mean, what you mentioned is pretty much saying like your outsized winners, it covers like more than covers the losses and returns. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like massive profits. And then you just keep rolling it in. Or so do you just roll all your profits back in? in like no, you I just would keep say all the profits. So
2: like we ended up um, <clears throat> as well, we, I invest in it. So I own, so I own part on Searcheroo. So I, I, one of my biggest outgoings was I was spending £45,000 a month on content and links for a lot of these websites. So naturally, I'm thinking that's a massive expense to what we're spending out. So at that point, we was like, "That I need to buy an agency that does content and links. And I knew Carl Hudson and Tom Phillips pretty well. And we was using Searcheroo. And I mentioned it to Tom Phillips, who was 50% shareholder, and he was more than interested in selling his share. Now, for me, it was an amazing deal because it was just going to save me so much money just on my own stuff, never mind the business growing. It was just going to save that much on that. So we consistently built buying. We own a disavow agency. We own um, an EEAT agency. But this is mainly for our own stuff. We own... Search Route, which does content and backlinks um we part own a sas product that does um, ai content and stuff like that so i'm consistently looking for digital kind of assets and services um to see where where naturally we can grow into and then obviously I've, I've, i don't know if you know i've got i own quite a few resources now so i kind oh, of well. um I've, i have some fun as well i I'm, i don't need to i don't mean it in an arrogant way but i don't need to work another day in my life but I just love mm-hmm. what I do. I just genuinely love the the hustle and the growth and the success not 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 for money and I always thought that I was doing it for freedom, but I've got as much freedom as I want now, but I still go again. <laughs> if you get what I mean yeah. and i just I feel like mm-hmm. I just love networking with people like you guys who are super successful as well, and it's just nice to kind of get out there network and and continuous continuously grow i think that's what a lot of male like I, i'm built to go out and hunt and i don't if i if someone said to me it's a billion pound but you can't hunt anymore i think i'd be sad
0: <laughs> yeah i think a lot of people who like retire after they retire they like lose all purpose in life they like maybe st- mm. sit by the beach for like three months and then they're like what the yeah. fuck am i doing right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um gotcha i mean the racehorse thing is pretty insane. Uh, is that just like purely out of passion? Or are you, I, I think yeah, I, not, I, I saw that you have like your hands in some, uh, some, some gambling businesses too, right? Yeah. Or... So
2: I own, I own, um, some, I own a bingo and casino and a sports betting website as well, like affiliate on that front. The, um, but the racehorses is not for profit. It's just for, just, I mean, don't get me wrong. We've had a lot of success in, with the racehorses, but it's not something that I would, I would recommend anybody to do from an investment standpoint. It costs a lot of money um, to train them and feed them and stuff like that. So, but it's just, it brings all the family together. I've got two older brothers that in my opinion from my success has been a lot to do with my two older brothers. And the reason why I say that is because when I was younger, I used to play them at sport all the time. And because they was older than me, they used to always beat me. And then I'd jump back up and I'd go again and they'd beat me and I'd jump back up and I'd go again. And I feel that resilience now of my two older brothers in beating me all the time has given me the bounce-back ability to get up and go again. And I feel I use that now in work and in business that it gives me that I, I, I thrive on failing or being out of my comfort zone to then go again and go again and learn and develop from there. So I think I, I owe a lot to my two older brothers for that. And horse racing is something that brings my mum and my two older brothers together. So I thought, why not buy some racehorses?
0: Yeah. That's an interesting play, actually. Um, never heard of anyone buying racehorses as like, a, it's considered an investment, right? Or, or is it more of like a
2: hobby? it's it's more, it's more for fun. But I mean, we've okay. got, we've, I, We. I say it's for fun. We, we've Probably spent about 1.5 million um on the horses in total. And the the asset value now of them is probably worth about two point two. So it has it has made profit, but I didn't do it for the profit. Like I didn't like I'm not selling them, I'm I'm holding on to them, they're still racing, and <clears throat> stuff like that. At some point they're gonna retire and be worth nothing. So <clears throat> it's I'm not doing it for for any sort of profits. It's just there for family bringing everybody together having a good time and and it's something that experiences and memories that we have together that's i can't, I can't buy elsewhere it's,
0: it's brilliant gotcha it's uh interesting that you attribute uh, your success to your two older brothers um are they in the business do they work with you uh so, do they have so their so own my business eldest
2: now is um in the Sports betting affiliate business, yeah. So that's a village. I said it's probably two See. years old, the site. Um, so that's in like the iGaming, so it's um, American horse racing, football betting, horse racing betting, and stuff like that. Um, in the UK and in the US, uh, he's he's for not he's a phenomenal writer, um, way better than I am, and he fried, he loves the industry, so. He he runs that, and he's got six other content writers that do it for him. And then we've, he's got like a link building agency that's attached to that as well. Um Whoa, And in nice. the iGaming game
0: space, that yeah, that that does pretty well as well. Nice. It's in the it's in the family. Interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and with all these assets, um, are you guys building them to kind of hold and cash flow forever, similar to uh, like what Warren Buffett does, or are you guys? Uh, in it for the exit at the at the so, end?
2: That, that's a great question. Every, every asset I build, I build out to sell, even if I'm not wanting to sell it. So every single asset that I have is built in the way that it's a saleable asset if I ever wanted to sell it. It's its own entity. But at present, why... Would I sell? And sometimes, and I can ask you this question: Why would I sell when someone tells me that the maximum you can get is up to maybe sixty months worth of revenue? Because for for what? So like that's twenty percent yield for someone's buying it at. You tell me any property in real estate where I can make twenty percent yield. I can't. Like in the UK, maybe yield is six, seven, eight percent. Um, interest over a year mm-hmm. that you can make on buying a property and renting it out. So then, why would I sell at twenty percent to only make six percent if I'm going to put it in real estate? I just don't. I don't know. I don't get why some people would say sell some of your assets and put it into housing when they only yeah. make seven eight percent. It's just it's just commercial suicide.
0: Yeah. Well, I I guess to take the other side of it, um, the risk is priced in, right? Like with tre- yeah, treasury bonds at what, what is where they are in the UK? I don't know, like seven, 8%. Yeah. Um, that means your risk-free benchmark is there. Um yeah. 20% doesn't seem as interesting when the risk-free rate is at like 8%. I guess that's my other counterpoint. And man, some of these assets, you, you see these uh niche site people on Twitter with a million dollars in a single niche site. And yeah they get hit by the recent update and they're down like 80% and they have like a whole family. And it's just like, you know, they, they, they could have sold. Um, but I think in your case, it's very different because you're very well diversified. You have like hundreds of sites. So I think, yeah. and you're also balling out of control. So it's like, I think you'll be, <laughs> I think it will be fine, you know? Um, but some of these well, other guys are very concentrated. But then yeah. Jackie as well
2: though, on that, when, when I said 20%, that's yeah. if you get five years. Like
0: yeah, no if you're going on months. Flipper that's or crazy.
2: you're going on Empire Flippers or yeah. FE International at present, you're only getting 30 months. So then that's only a 40%. You're only, Then it's 40%. So then at that point you're going, wait a minute, like within two and a half years I could have got that money back for, for keeping it. And, and not only that is I get, I get <laughs> the risk that's involved. And do you know what? Maybe five, six years ago I, I used to worry a lot about the risk involved but I feel Google's aren't very, very predictable nowadays. Very predictable. And and I know I'm saying that now where someone's just been hit now, everyone's been hit with a helpful content update and there's loads of niche shites that are going up and down. But the one some of the businesses that I um bought was because I was scared myself. I so I bought um Batlink Doctor, which does disavows. The only reason why I bought that was because I had two websites hit with a manual action link penalty, um, within Google search console. I then started speaking to Rick Lomas, who was the, the godfather of disavows. He then was looking to semi retire. So I was like, I'll buy your business, train us up and let us be the, the people that do the disavows. So if I ever get another unnatural links penalty again, my team can get out of it by doing the reconsideration request. We know exactly what a good link and a bad link looks like. With regards to a trusted link and a toxic link, not just looking at DR and traffic and relevance. So we kind of looked down that route. And then I used to always think that EEAT. I thought it was a complete myth. I was like, anyone who preaches EEAT is just there to sell you something. They just—it's a myth. I'm I'm not buying into this until I got hit on three of my sites last year. With and I don't know if you've ever heard of this with an offer transparency penalty. So Uh, it's a it's a manual action penalty within Google Search Console. I can send you through the, um, I'll send you the screenshots of it. A manual action penalty in Google Search Console for an offer transparency penalty. Now, what's really strange hmm. about this is, I mean, I've got over a thousand obviously different sites, right, and every one of them that got hit was in the finance sector. So I don't know whether it's only in the finance sector that they're doing it or whether it is broadly hmm. in it's going to roll out to other industries, but three of them in the finance sector and all for transparency penalty, we didn't know who was behind the article, and it was a manual action penalty in Google Search Console. And, and then that's what then got me to think I need to make certain I brush up on my EAT. And that, and that's when then I started to go, right, okay, I need to maybe look. Now, I, I go over the top. I go belt and braces now. I make certain I've got a, about us, a meet the team, everything like um, privacy policy, cookie policy, modern slavery policy, everything I can think of just to make certain that, like, they can't come after me to say you're not a real business. Um, yeah. and, and 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 then when you start ticking all the boxes of what they want, is it high risk? Is it, is it just that a lot of these people, that majority of people that have been hit, when you start looking at them and digging deeper, 30, 40% of their site gets no traffic. So then at that point, you're wasting Google's crawl budget. The cost of retrieval of their website costs a lot more. Actually, I'm not going to do this, but somebody should go out there now and, and create a content pruning agency. That's what they should do. Everyone's obsessed with topical authority. And they're scaling shit content. And a lot of this content is wasting Google's crawl budget. And what they've done is to put a benchmark in now saying, if more than 25% of your website is getting no traffic and not ranking, we're going to put a classifier in place. And that's what's happened to a lot of these. Not, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot mm. of these sites have had the classifier hit because mm. they're too much thin content. And you have any thin content on some parts of your site and it can affect a whole site's rankings. And, and that's where people have got to be now worried a little bit about AI. Like I'm and I'm I embrace AI, but if you're just scaling out chat GPT to write you a full article and it's there's no uniqueness, there's no anything in there that's information gain, well, at some point you're gonna tip over the mark of a lot of sites not ranking, and at that point you're gonna get hit site wide. So it's not that they're going after AI. It's just they're very clever in the way that they've built the the new algorithms now and the helpful content updates mm. had that release that's come out. So, yeah. what, what
1: are you doing with all your author personas then? Obviously, you have thousands of rank and rents. Are they all personas, or have you got actual people fronting them as well? So, authors?
2: so what? At one point, we was like, mm, "What are we gonna do here? Like, we're we're gonna have to fake fake faces and fake names and stuff like that." And I was like, "Do you know what? To to fake it that much." It's going to be a ridiculously big task, and mm. not only that is that I don't know if you've seen the, the other month someone got done um, for rank and rent and what they were doing. There was faking profiles, but then there was editing in Photoshop like bank statements and all sorts for the address oh, for I like GMBs. You got and sued so, by
0: Google, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Nah, we that's um, good jokes. we the the companies we work with. <laughs> we will only start sending them leads if they're willing to put their face on our website. Mm. So, so, and the reason, and what we say to them, the, the, the way we kind of sell it to them is we need to make certain that they know who they're inquiring with so that when they inquire and let's say, James, you pick up the phone, they know who Mm. you are because you're on the, on the meet the team page. So they already know who you are. They already know that you are an expert. You probably already got a Twitter profile, They've probably already got some sort of recognition online that you might have won some awards in that industry because you're the expert at electric gates. Do you know what I mean? And that's what your background is. And it says that you work at this company, but ours is just the trading name of your company, if that makes sense. <clears throat> and that's mm. kind of the road that we go down that way is we, we do tick the boxes for Eat with real people because, and, and it's a message match as well. So they're having a good user experience
1: by us adding them onto our site. So you just, yeah. you just registering, registering something like electricgatesmanchester.com yeah. and then you're having their team on the page and then their business name on the page as well because yeah. they're not Electric Gates Manchester, et cetera. They are, you know, whatever their business name is. Yeah, so
2: they, they could be called James's Gates, right? Yeah, James's Gates Limited. But I want the exact match domain of Electric Gates Manchester. But a bis- loads of businesses have got 50, 60, 70 trading names they might be just called James's mm. James's Gates, but you could have lots of different trading names. So Electric Gates Manchester is just a trading name of James's Gates. Mm, and, okay. and, and that's kind of how we do it. We'll put, we'll put their um, company registration number on, we'll put their directors on, everything on the site, because we want to do everything we can to look real. We are real. If someone comes and inquires, not only that is that, if someone does legitimately comes and looks at our site, before they inquire, they probably want to know, are these a specialist in what they do? Have they won any awards? Have they got this? And have they got that? So it actually improves your conversion rate of your website by having it. And and your clients are happy to have it on there because then there's no like, um, excuse me, who are you, James's Gates? I inquired with Electric Gates Manchester.
0: Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's
2: like, no, but yeah, that's one of our websites.
0: And that and that's all that needs to be done on that. Um, when you got your manual penalty, uh, was it across all your finance sites at once or was it like a couple days after, I don't know, Raider hub visited you, you know? Um,
2: that's, that's exactly what it was. Um, it was, it was three different websites at three different times. And hmm. that's when then we realized when we started digging deeper, Rater Hub it had hit our site 48 hours before. And they'd come visited the site. They've got, got like Lion Bridge and um, Rater Hub. I think there's about seven or eight different ones. And the Google Quality Raters come, get, go onto your site. And what was strange as well about it is rate Hub only hit the site when we jumped onto page one in the top five rankings for a really big term. I don't know whether this is, I make this could be completely being made up, but just from the small bit of data of the awful transparency penalties that we got, we, the rate of only hit the site and we got hit when we only started ranking in the top five for a search term that was over 30,000 monthly searches. And it was quite a big, quite a big keyword that it was ranking for. And I don't know hmm. whether this some kind of, once you start ranking yeah, I think so. for a, for a big keyword, at that point, rate a Hub, come and have a look at the site. We're not happy with it. You're going to get it. So, this is where I m- maybe I was a bad SEO and I wasn't ranking for good keywords. Previously, when I didn't believe in EAT, was when I hadn't had rate a Hub hit my site. And it was only when I got the penalty, I was like, shit. And the point is, is that I then did like um, an article that I put out there and saying that it's only a problem when it's a problem and then it's too late. So be reactive, not pro- be proactive, not reactive. Yeah. Um, so now I just like, for the sake—if you think of it, for the sake of writing seven or eight articles, like a privacy policy, a cookie policy, an about us page, a meet the team page, having a contact page, renting a telephone number for a dollar a month on Twilio or whatever you want to use, having an email address where you can just forward it onto whatever email, and just do a—you a, don't even need a G Suite, just forward it on Cloudflare or something like that it it costs about £50 to tick all the boxes. Just tick the boxes. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. just, I try in every website that we build, I just try and make certain that the foundations of every site is built like a real business would build that site. Um, just so I don't get hit with something stupid to say, why didn't I have an About Us? Even if I didn't believe in it, why didn't I not have a About Us page? It costs
0: £20 to set up less than that. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure Raider Hub has like certain keywords they monitor, like for sure. Viagra is one of them. I'm sure some casino terms are, or like super high risk, high, you know, might be an issue for liability. Hence why the finance sites were hit. Um, so I'm like 90% certain they, they just monitor certain types of keywords. Yeah, I agree. Um, Yeah.
1: Probably Y M Y
0: Y L, right? Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. All right. Well, I did. I, I was wondering something else. I don't think you've ever talked about this, but I was wondering how you, um, how do you split your profits with your operators? Because it seems like you you have your hands in so many businesses. No, no chance you you have you can incentivize your operators. to operate at such a high level, like Kazra, who's like smashing it with his uh, businesses with you. Um, yeah. How does the ownership structure work? It might be a touchy subject. I don't know, but no, um, no, I've always I'm, wondered I'm, that. Yeah. So when you say operators, do you mean
2: like employees and stuff like that? Yeah. Or partners. I, I like, don't know what Casro is like. Yeah. So everything, everything I do, I've got a mission statement out there um, on the fat rank website that says everything I do is with honest trust and integrity. So, I believe that any any time you look to set up any sort of partnership with someone, right from the word go, you need to set the boundaries and you need to set exactly everything that's going to go on. Because if if there's a gray area at the start, trust me, it's going to be a problem further down the line. So I try to make certain that one, whoever I partner with, I look at them straight in the eye and I think to myself, when things go wrong, which at times they will do, is he gonna have my back and 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 that's a big part for me for choosing i've I've had some people come and they're ridiculous like data scientists who are like on another level of education than what I am and I won't partner with him because I just don't feel that connection in when something goes wrong it, it, are we gonna roll up our sleeves and work together so that that's the one part of choosing the partners and then with regards to the partners it a lot of it depends on. What are they going to bring to the table and what am I going to bring to the table? And it's not me personally, it's what my team around mm. me or my <laughs> connections are going to bring to the table. So right at the very start, let's say me and you, Jacket, and I thought, you're a legend, you're brilliant, let's do a 50-50 partnership. I'm happy because I know that you're going to bring a lot to the table. I know I'm going to bring a lot to the table. Let's do a 50-50 partnership. <clears throat> and then that's fine. But there's times where if I look at someone and I think, I'm bringing way more to the table than you are. I'm going to bring in the 100,000 pound investment. I'm going to bring my team. You're just going to bring your knowledge of that one industry. And we might do a 70-30 split or an 80-20 split or a 60-40 split. But it, we just have a genuine, honest discussion at the start to say, mm-hmm. what do you think's fair? And we fresh it out right at the very start, like of being, this is what I think it should be. I might say, 80 20. They might say it should be 50 50, and we might meet at 60 40. Majority, my, majority of my partnerships are 50 50. Um, I try not to be like, I'm better than you, so I want a higher split and stuff like that. I generally just kind of go, let's go in it together. Let's both work hard and let's go in it together. So that's on, on a lot of them that I do. But if it's the rank and rents, then I generally do it where I pay for everything. It's my team that fulfill everything with regards to the content and links. The sales manager deals with the client, and the sales manager gets 25%. Well, from an employer's point of view, with myself, is that I've got nine middle managers now that all started out as being apprentices. So they all started out of knowing not one thing in SEO, and six of them now are directors of the company. So they've they've grown... They've grown within. Um I'm a massive advocate of empowering other people from within the team. So as far as someone wants to take it, they can grow. So prime example, Kazra, two and a half years ago, was a web designer. He was a developer and web designer working in an agency. Um, we came to a meetup, I met him, I liked him straight away. I thought he's got is at the time he was like an entrepreneur who's working inside of a company. But I knew he had this kind of mindset that wanted to go and do crazy things. So I am I initially employed him. He was just an employee to start with. Um the first six months he needed to brush up on a lot of his SEO skills. He was working within an agency that just did local and wasn't no disrespect to him, but that wasn't that good at SEO. So he, he learned the ropes for maybe six, twelve months, started to realise he could rank websites, and then in the last twelve months now he's just grown. So like, Mm. now I don't, he's not an employee anymore. He's a, he's a partner in a lot of different businesses that I do. Um, he's built a lot of his own assets up. Um, he kind of goes out and does his own thing. He flops the nest, so to speak, but he lives local to us. Mm. He comes into our office, maybe three times a week. Um, and yeah, he, he's a, a prodigy that's worked well. Um, He's still only young, and I still think he'll go on to do massive things, um, and I wish him all the best. I think he'll, he'll be one of the most successful digi- digital marketers that there is in the next 10 years.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty bullish on Kazra as well. Um, you mentioned something that I wanted to touch on. Uh, you, you mentioned that you trained up a lot of apprentices from zero. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get your insights because I, I feel very strongly about this. Do you prefer hiring people who know nothing about SEO and training from scratch? or like an in-house, like a three, four-year in-house SEO who knows something?
2: So, so in my, people have got different experiences and I get, I get mm-hmm. asked this question a lot. And in my opinion, right, there's a classic saying is you can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? And when you've got someone who thinks they're an SEO expert or an SEO guru, and they've been doing it <laughs> for five, 10, 15 years, and they know everything, but they know nothing, they're almost untrainable. So for that reason, in my opinion, and from my experiences, I would always want to go down the apprenticeship route. I always go after, when I'm looking um, to employ people, I don't really look just at education. I always look at, is this person going to be willing to train and develop every single day? Because these algorithms are changing on a week-by-week basis. So if this person's not willing to learn and develop on a week-by-week basis, I don't want them in my team. I want them to embrace failure. I want them to have that bounce-back ability that I had from my two brothers. And I want them to have that attitude. I want them to have an attitude that if they're a graphic designer, that they're going to expect that the client or one of our staff is going to come back and say, that's crap because of X, Y, and Z. Can you fix this? And they're going to be, oh, thank you so much. are not going to take it personal. They're going to embrace that feedback and that criticism and embrace it because then it's going to improve them as a, being a graphic designer or a videographer or a web designer or whatever it is, a content creation. If they're, in, if they're writing content and their editor says, this wasn't good enough because you didn't get these entities on the page, instead of sulking, you say, thank you very much for educating me on that. And now I'll try not to do that again. And for that reason, I think apprentices and people have got no kind of – they've come with a clean slate, but you know that they're going to have them, the mentality built into them right from the start that they're going to work hard and develop every single day. And that's when you get the culture right in the business that people are wanting to learn and develop and, and have new things. And the minute an algorithm update comes and you tank on one of your sites, they're like, I ah oh yes, we've got something new to learn and develop on. <clears throat> They're not like moaning and and being, oh, we've been here and stuff like that. They embrace it. And, and I think it's important to have that. Otherwise you're always going to struggle with keeping staff motivated because it, it like success is never linear. It's always like this. Mm. So on the peaks and on the troughs, on the peaks, don't let them get too carried away, but on the troughs, don't let them get too disheartened. Um, and I'd say probably my role now within the company is being a cultural architect. It's just motivating staff, keeping them happy, keep saying well done and just trying to elevate and educate. Um, because there's a classic saying in business, and if you don't innovate, you're going to evaporate. And hmm. and you've got you've consistently got to keep innovating, and you've got to have the right staff that's got that attitude. What? But, but what's your? I mean, what's your experiences with regards to?
0: staffing oh dude man you put it way too nicely man fuck hiring seo managers (laughs) man fuck those guys no i would um no probably mostly from zero or people who have built their own businesses in the past so like i'm bullish on aqua hire so people who if you acquire the business and then you hire them you can probably give them way more work and they'll step up to the challenge yeah i've never been more bearish on in house s e o managers in my life they're yeah, probably yeah. oh my goodness like imagine i'd rather imagine hiring the head of s e o at Apple, like how much work have they done in the last two years probably yeah exactly right? yeah, yeah, yeah yeah they can write anything and they'll they'll yeah. rank you know versus some some yeah. guy who's i don't know out of uh southeast Asia making five k a month on their niche site man get me yeah. that guy, you know yeah yeah i am just i'm i'm sick or tired of people moaning and groaning on twitter and yeah i think you you put it in a very nice and diplomatic way hence probably why you're such a good people manager i'm 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 just i'm just not well <laughs> 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 yeah um yeah, we we should uh keep an eye on the t- on the time. Uh James, thank you so much for coming on today. It was uh it was fun to chat. Fi- great to finally meet you. Yeah. Um I know you're going to Chiang Mai. I I did my research, but unfortunately I won't be there. Are you going to be in uh Saigon next year? I'm actually talking in Saigon. Um and oh, I don't Saigon. know so
2: so in I'm well, I'm only doing a Q&A. So hmm. Previously, when you spoke about interviews and stuff like that, you would never have seen me up until the last three weeks. You would never have seen me on a podcast. You would never see me on an interview. You'd never see me up on stage. I travel the world doing a lot of masterminds throughout the world. So I kind of very selective with who I speak to um, and who I mastermind with normally. Um, So I kind of go out my way to travel to, let's say, where you're based to come and go. You're a great guy. I'm going to come and see you because I know that it's going to be, we're both going to level up if that makes sense mm-hmm. because I've been to so many meetups and it's, you're, it's just people like leeches that are sat there that don't say anything and just trying to get all information and just not share anything. Um, and, and that's always been a bit of a pet eight, but nowadays I'm I'm happy to build a personal brand. Um, I had a couple of big sales on a couple of um, NDAs where I couldn't speak about them. Um, but now I'm open to doing podcasts and stuff like that. So, it's
0: uh it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, so where can people find you? Um you want to send them to Fatrank, you want to send them to Twitter? Uh
2: um uh, if you go on to jamesdooley.com, dot com, um that's got all my social media profiles on there. Um so uh, it's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh or you can go over to fatrank.com, which is more of a fatrank.com was built for just being a mindset type blog. Um so like get up, stop being lazy, work hard. It's not going to be on the on a plate. Um, and then some life lessons and stuff that's on there as well and stuff like that. So I don't really SEO optimize that site. It's just more for sometimes me getting stuff out of my head into a blog of just being, this is really
0: annoying me from stuff or whatever. And, yeah. and, that, and that's kind of where that, that kind of evolved. Perfect. Well, I hope I see you more on Twitter. Uh, you got to be more active, but- man. Dude, that uh, yeah, I am going to start <laughs> a lot more active on social media. Okay, perfect. Nice. Well, I'll see you in the on X then. Um, thanks for coming yep. on, man. Perfect. Cheers, Cheers
2: guys.